you think, what kind of message could I bring that would bring the heart of God and bless people and set them up for 2016? And so uh, I said to Elma at 3 a.m. yesterday morning, I've got a few thoughts. She says, I've got a few thoughts. And so uh, I left the room conscious that I needed to keep some energies for the evening glitter ball. But I got a message, and uh, it's called The Last Place. And I feel a wee bit like vulnerable, a bit like the surgeon who says, you know, I'm going to give you a new heart, but actually I'm going to have to cut you open first. And you go, right, fine. But um, I'm praying that, you know, God, you know, wherever you're at, whatever, whatever's going on in your world, this is the best Christmas you're ever going to have. And that 2016 will be the greatest year. And so we'll come back to Jesus where all great things begin. And, you know, we're going to go to Matthew to look at the Christmas story. But mothers and fathers all around the world right now are looking for the last place. Where is the last place my child will search for their presence? Where is the last place? Where is the last place they will look? And you know, and it's a bit of a game because poor wee mums and dads convince, we convince ourselves sometimes they'll never look there. And it's the first place they look very often. And, um, but you know, when God decides to send his Christmas present. He didn't make it easy. He buried his present deep in the last place you would expect to find his king boy. <clears throat> he buried his child deep in the womb of an unmarried peasant. Maybe the last place you would look on the earth for a boy king. Then, of course, when the boy king's about to be born, without the satnav star, even the shepherds, I reckon, may, maybe never found that last place. So the story is fantastic. It's gripping. But can we just think of the last place because I believe throughout Scripture, the whole last place idea is one of the most exciting, thrilling ideas for us as Christians. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, Matthew 2 verse 1, from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the last place? Where, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the law, and he asked, where's the last place? Where is he supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. 
for a ruler will come from you. So we get hints, but we don't get the street on the sat-nav. For a ruler will come for you, be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search for the last place. Search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me about him so that I can worship him too. Verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. They went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And they opened the treasure chests, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. The star guided them to the manger babe. The manger babe in the last place you'd expect a king to be born. It is a wonderful time of the year, Christmas, but it is a time of hide and seek for parents. Jesus was born King Herod and all his power didn't know where. He sought the wise men. They struggled to know. And the star guides them. God hides things. He hides a huge tree in a tiny acorn. He hides an ostrich in a fragile egg. He hides whole fields of crops in a single seed. He said once, Jesus, in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, sorry, the word of God says, you will seek me and you will find me. None say easy doors are the obvious place, but it's a condition. You'll seek me when you seek me with all your heart. Why do you have to seek? Why didn't they make it easy? The truth is God hides things. Keep that in mind. Imagine if God's word today could set you up for 2016 and for a Christmas like never before. Imagine if you'd won goal in mind in 2016 to find Jesus. Now, you talk to any Christian, they'll say, well, I found Jesus. Well, Jesus found us, if truth be told, but what if you found Jesus every day? What if you found Jesus in the place you least expect it? You know, when God decided he wanted you and me to find Jesus, 
he identified his win. And he put it in these words like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's his win. That man, woman, find Jesus. What if we spend all our life looking for him in the wrong place? Christmas, what a time of the year. The center of Christmas, the manger babe coming and the whole world looking for him, Herod's looking for him. And the ISIS of the day is killing little boys two years of age. But God had one thing in mind that no one would perish. I would encourage you to take time to identify your win in 2016. I would encourage you to identify seven. Find a, identify a win for every year of your life. But if you had one major win in 2016, I've said mine. Find Jesus every day in the last place you would expect. The Samaritan woman despised, despised by Jews, the Samaritans, five husbands, and now it looks like she's in adultery or she's in some kind of relationship outside of marriage. The last place you would expect to find Jesus. And the brilliant thing is that when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, he doesn't hit her with streams of theology. He doesn't hit her with all the things he knows. He doesn't hit her with all the, you know, I've come to teach you anything. He does the most beautiful, humble thing you could imagine to one of the most broken people you could meet. He asks her for help. Missionaries make big mistakes when they travel the world or we go to the poor or the mentally handicapped, whoever we go to, to teach them things. When the truth is, if you look again, when you get there, you'll find Jesus is there before you and he's something to teach you. So Jesus is talking to this woman and he knows, man, she's broken, she's in sin one of the most broken, you know, distressed situations. What would the average believer do? How can I help you? But he takes the humble position and says, can you give me something to drink? And do you know what? She sees, and this is a beautiful thing you could learn 
we could learn in looking for Jesus. The most broken people, those with massive learning issues, mental problems, all kinds of things. They see the light in a way that most Christians don't see it. This lady's in as dark as dark place could be. But she sees it. She says, sir, I see you are a prophet. <laughs> she sees the light. She sees the wisdom. She sees the love. She gets what the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't get. What if the babe is still in the manger and visits you every day in life. You know, you and Mitchell, where is it? You said we have a roof that doesn't leak. A drip just landed on my head there. <laughs> I think it's condensation. We're all right. Which brings us to the glitter ball. I'm at the glitter ball and I'm thinking all this through last night. And Alma says, am I getting a dance? You know, that, 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 that little nice invitation that you would die for when you're trying to get, go out with a woman. And as soon as you get out with a woman, you don't want to dance. That's a generalization. So there's 120 people, maybe 100 people on the glitter ball floor dancing like, I'll tell you what's changed, guys. I've not been at one of these for a long time, but this was like, it bordered on violence. <laughs> and the music bordered on violence. And I'm like, what am I doing here, Lord? And all I could think of was the last place. And I thought, if you were here, Jesus, where would you be? And in the middle of all this, you know, people, when I used to go to parties, people used to go to parties to get drunk. Now I realize they, they go to the pubs to get drunk before they come at the parties. There was at least three or four company nights out in amongst this place. But two girls were dancing in the middle of this, two ladies, which I can only describe was like the nearest thing I've seen to lap dancers. Provotica, the more they drank, the more provotica, whatever that word is, I used to be able to say words clearly. Um, the dancing became. And um, the more they danced, the more, I'll say a word I can't pronounce properly, dodgy. The clothing became. And you could get the vibe in the room. The vibe in the room as the heat was going up was, well, I'm keeping my husband well away from these two. And the vibe in the room for the ladies was, well, if they come near me, I don't want to be associated with them. You get the vibe. And about 11 o'clock last night, the most provocative one, Alma goes up to dance with, uh, with um, she goes up to dance, and um, not with me. Do you want to preach this though? <laughs> Why do you think I don't give her the mic anymore? She kills me, man. 
Ty, can you chuck that bottle of water up, please? It's lying over there. I'm a bit thirsty. So, um, thanks, Ty. So, um, I knew it was going to happen. I could read the script because the whole night I'm thinking, where's the babe in the manger tonight? Everybody's looking for a church or organic group where they fit. That's the greatest holy cow of modern times. Jesus says, we're aliens. You don't fit. And if you find a group of people like you, we're in trouble. The last kind of group I want to find is people like me or people who make me comfortable because I'm never going to grow. Emma wasn't dancing more than a minute or two when Mrs. Provocative made a beeline for Elma. I could see it coming. She makes a beeline for her. And I, I couldn't hear what she was saying, but I could tell by the body language what's going on. And Elma's standing there in the middle of 120 people. And Miss Provocative says to Elma, you are beautiful. There's something about you. You have a demure, you have wisdom, the broken people can see Jesus. The broken ones, the crushed ones, because he said he is close to the brokenhearted and the crushed ones. Then she says to Elma, she began to describe what gifts Elma had, her character, all kinds of things. And then she says, it's a tough world, you know. And I could see that as the evening was going on, minute by minute by minute, it was getting tougher and tougher for this girl because people were getting further and further away from her. She said, it's a tough world, you know. I got three handicapped children. And I thought, you nailed me, Jesus. You nailed me. I thought I was coming to a glitter boy to enjoy myself. But here you are. Here you are, Jesus. With the one that everybody don't want to be associated with. Even many of the Jews didn't want to associate with somebody from Nazareth because many Roman soldiers reportedly lived there. So if you lived there, you associated with the Romans. God hides things and puts himself in the last place. Elma comes back to the table and she tells me what this lady's just said. I'm wrecked now. I'm wrecked now. Because now I found Jesus. Then the man next to me begins to tell me about his two teenagers that got all kinds of illnesses. Then I found my second manger of the night. And I went to the next table behind me because I recognized the man from the bank who deals with my banking details. And I said, how are you? And he said, I'm leaving now because i got to get up 
at six in the morning to Skype my children who live on the other side of the world. And I found Jesus in a manger for the third time. He said once, when I was in my hungry manger, when I was in my naked manger, when I was in my prison manger, what did you do? His inference is, you missed it. You didn't see me. What if 2016, your goal was to find the babe in the manger? Because he's in the last place you'll expect to find him. There's nothing more thrilling to find Jesus. Nothing more thrilling to find the babe in a manger. There was a godly, godly man who was struggling a little bit and he, 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 he got a job for a while volunteering in what was known then as a mental asylum. He's in the mental asylum and he can't believe it. There are people banging their heads off walls, wetting themselves, walking around, and no one is paying attention to them. And he thinks, what can I do? And he said, I can't settle for what most Christians settle for proximity. Most Christians are comfortable with proximity. Giving a sandwich to a homeless person, a hug to someone with learning difficulties. Proximity costs us nothing. But he felt in that moment God was nailing him. That Jesus it was not about proximity. Jesus was about engaging a community and living with his disciples 24-7. What do you think human beings' greatest fear is? Human beings' greatest fear is people who are different to you. People who are opposite to you. And you find the whole movements of Christians looking for somewhere where they could find a community that's the same as them. And wonder why they end up in frustration because they never find it. But you never find Jesus with anybody the same as him. You find him with a rag tag, mob, and people continually got distressed with Jesus because they didn't get this difference thing. This tax gatherer 
what are you doing now? This prostitute at your feet, what are you doing now? What if someone brings to you on January the 1st their baby that cannot see, that cannot hear, that cannot speak, but the baby has the same incredible, intense need for love and for Jesus as you and me. And what if in that baby was Jesus in the manger that you need in that moment? What if you could learn more from that baby? I have learned more from a 15-year-old Down syndrome boy than I've ever learned from any theologian about Jesus on the face of the earth. Because Jesus is found in the heart of misfits. So Jean Vanier, when he left the ministry to, li to live in the what was known as a mental asylum there, was convicted by God. And he decided proximity, 95 job is easy. I'm taking two of those guys home with me to live. He took two of these guys home with him who couldn't communicate properly, had all kinds of issues. He found Jesus in those two mangers. And Jesus taught him more through those two mangers than all the years of study and taught him so much, he started 175 of those communities around the world. Alan Kelly met a young man in an airplane who came here not long ago. Turns out, we, Alan reminded me, this young man works in one of those communities right here on our doorstep. Christianity gets exciting. He says, you could look in the earthquake, but you won't find me. You could look in the wind, but you won't find me. You could look in the fire, you won't find me but you'll find me in the small whisper. And that was the moment when Mrs. Provocative returned to our table to speak to Elma some more. And I'm done by this time. I'm saying, Jesus, what, what, what's going to happen here? And Jesus, she sits beside, beside Elma and she continues her story of what she can see in Elma. And I'm like, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. You could be married to somebody 40 years and watch them with a baby 
and not realize you've set up for proximity, but she gets into that baby's world. You can live somebody 40 years and realize when she meets somebody with additional learning challenges. I've settled for proximity. Fear gets you to settle for proximity. Fear gets you to settle for I can teach them something. Fear gets you to settle for distance. Fear gets you to settle for a level of Christianity where you spend your life thinking you can teach somebody. And yet, when I watch Elma with an elderly person, I'm convicted again because I realize how pathetic and a heart of stone I have at times. Because I'm cool with proximity. I'm cool with being near anybody in trouble. But she gets into the world and I'm freaking out. I'm like, come on, darling, we got a dinner together, we got an appointment, we got this. She's like, clear off in a nice way. She's lost, gets lost in that world. And I think we could be on the verge of a revolution. I think if we realize that when Jesus came on a donkey, may I not be in the first place people were looking for him. When he came as a helpless babe in a manger, maybe that's not where people would look for a king. But I've been to many churches, and you have been to many churches. I've shared life with wonderful Christians all my days. But I just want to finish with the moment when I really met Jesus. Oh, yeah, we met him in that salvation moment. Yeah, we met Jesus. We met him. And do you know what? I just threw this last little thing in all my life. I've been excited about a Jesus with unconditional love. But then he nailed me. He said, immature Christians, Jimmy, only want and settle for unconditional love. Yes, I'm a God of unconditional love, but I'm also a God of conditional love, all in the same sentence. All in the same sentence. If you persevere to the end, if you run to win the race, controversial, but so true. So true. And I've told some of you this story a little bit. I want to finish with this. When I got an invitation from, where's Les? Is Les here? He's away. 
How many know Les that comes here? As you well know, Les came here and was doing amazing, and then he started to have problems where he could no longer care for himself. And he's had to be moved into a home where he's cared for 35 minutes from here. He has a complaint. His complaint is that his carer can only bring him here every second week and not every week. But when he comes here every second week, he's got a gift for me. The gifts are unbelievable. They're Carnegie Hall theater songs from the 50s. I've not worked out yet what God's saying and all of that. Today he comes in with a Christmas card. And I think, like a fool, like a complete fool, I got something I can teach him about Jesus. But if you look once more in the manger, to the one who's most broken, to the one who's wrecked, to the one that you think there's nothing to them. The Carnegie Hall, there was dancers. It was a group of Down syndrome teenagers doing a performance. And like a fool, I asked the question again, what am I doing here? What else could I be doing tonight? Didn't expect to find Jesus there. But a 15-year-old Down syndrome girl got on the platform. She danced. Lady in red. I found Jesus that night. I thought I had something to teach this kid. And Jesus said, you know nothing. She danced like every child of God ought to dance. She smiled. She communicated a warmth, a love, and a freedom. Real freedom. Real freedom, every other human being looks for, is not in you being free. Real freedom is helping the most crushed and the most broken to find freedom. The babe in the manger showed up that night. And the babe is looking for you. The babe in this moment is lying in a naked manger. It's lying, struggling with a gross additional learning issues, searching for love. The babe is lying in a naked manger. And guess what? He sent you and me find the babe 2016 could be the greatest year of your life if you wake up in the morning knowing the star of David is ready to guide you 
to a new manger. And what if every broken, crushed, struggling human being you met, you came with a whole new approach? You asked the question, is this the last place? Is this the last place? My hunch is you're going to find Jesus in 2016 in the most unbelievable places, in the most unbelievable ways. And he's going to teach us like this kid on the clip. Because every one of us Every one of us struggles to shift from proximity to community because people are different from us. We feel difference. So we look for where we fit and where we're comfortable. That is death. Life is spending the rest of your life where Jesus spends his life with the most different people to you, the most broken and the most crushed. And you may think, well, I have limitations, I have lacks, I have lacks, so what can I do? Watch this kid in this clip. If you could kill the satellites for us, David, you might get an idea. Start right from the beginning. Here at Kaysville Elementary. Show me, show me. I have her husband's thumb. Sixth graders are practicing their lines. You're giving this little speech. For Shakespeare's classic play, Macbeth. <gasps> A drum! The sound of the drum announces the arrival of the future king. But in this play, Macbeth... Speak, if you can. What are you? ...has no arms and no legs. A sight you have to see to believe. The actor, the one and only Gabe Adams. To what do you owe this strange intelligence? But acting is just a small sampling of what this incredible 12-year-old boy is capable of doing. I can write, I can type, I can draw. Seven. I can go up and down the stairs. I can pick things up and stuff. And he can jump on the tram, swim in a pool, pour his own milk, put on his own shirt, comb his own hair, and sing. Yes, Gabe Adams does it all without limbs. Tell me what you want people to know about you. That I can do it. I can do it with a smile on my face. Why a smile? Because smile will help everything. Gabe was born in Brazil without arms and legs and abandoned by his mother. He was in a hospital bed all by himself. Little Gabe's story traveled all the way to Kaysville, Utah. I heard about him in the grocery store. I said immediately, well, I'd take him in a second. And then started laughing. That was the beginning of it for me. And so then I just couldn't get him out of my head. <laughs> Before long, the Adams were at the airport to pick up Gabe. Everyone quickly fell in love with his big brown eyes. The Adams say it was one miracle after another to get him here. Every single qualification just taken care of right in line. But Gabe wasn't adopted into some family that was just going to baby him. Let's just have a quick prayer. Every morning at 6.30, the day starts with scripture study. Judea. Nobody holds the Bible for Gabe or turns the pages. And he too is expected Jesus was not yet to read like everyone else. Mary sat still. Frank and Gabe is off doing his morning exercises. 
going up and down the stairs 20 times in 20 minutes. This builds muscle, character, and most of all, independence. Gabe calls it tough love. And next come the sit-ups. It's epic fail. Without this move, he couldn't get up on his own. I push him hard. After the workout, Gabe takes off his own shirt and clothes, throwing them in the laundry. After the shower, he gets dressed, does his hair, and then prepares and eats his own breakfast. No one there to spoon feed this growing boy. So it's always been our goal to allow Gabe freedom, you know, and, and choices that we know will only come if he can be independent. Gabe loves swimming and diving. He just goes out and tries to accomplish what he wants to do. Eight years ago, the Adams family thought they were doing a service by rescuing Gabe from a hospital in Brazil. But Janelle says it's just the opposite. Gabe has taught them what's really important in life and to never give up. If he could get up and down the stairs himself, if he could walk across the room himself, all of those things give him freedom to do what he wants to do. Because they're helping me out in my future. They want me to learn it because they know that I can. I just need to try. The only free ride Gabe gets is on his wheelchair. And he rides to school. The chair is controlled by his head, and he loves to go fast. Your spelling notebook. Once in school, he sits at a desk like everyone else. Okay, number seven is cell membrane. And is expected to keep up with the okay, spelling test. Okay, number eight is waning crescent. Like everyone else. And his shoulder and chin writing is amazing. So who's sending you letters? Betty Kleber is Gabe's teaching aide. She's been helping him since preschool. Just amazing. I get emotional because I it's it's unusual that um, you don't see this every day. No, it's not something you see every day. He may be just a tiny thing next to seven foot six Sean Bradley, but day after day, Gabe inspires, lifts, and brightens the mood of all who meet him. I don't feel like I have the right even to be depressed when I have him there because everything he does is so much more work than the average person. A great kid. He's, he's got a disposition that's just positive. He's happy. I love him so much. I want for him to be able to feel good about himself, to feel confident, to feel like he is able to go forth in life and do what he wants to do. You have to face the challenges that get in front of you. You know, you know, the greatest pain a mother and a father carries is when they have a child and you come into proximity, but you don't even know it's happening. The child with his additional learning issues spent a whole life in rejection. Picks up rejection from you and me because we're scared. We don't know what to say. And we're afraid that this child will expose our own weakness, our own brokenness, our own inability to be vulnerable and weak. 
That's a pain, guys. And the mother walks home another day. One walked in here today. Beautiful smile on her face. I said, how's the family? Oh, he's out of school this week. I said, why? Because he wrecked the school. He wrecked the bus. Not because he's bad. He's looking for love. And if you can't find the love, the nice way, he'll find the only way he knows. The old me was gone by this time, ready to jump in with some quote, some little scripture, some quick answer. I asked her a favor. I said, can you teach me? Can you show us? Because Alan Kelly prophesied, here come the shepherds. That's nice. Till you realize, you and me, are the shepherds. I wish you the greatest Christmas of your whole life that you find Jesus more in 2016 than you've ever found him in your life. Can we have the band up, please? Would you turn to somebody and give them a high five and greet them with the love of Jesus quickly? Let's stand together and close with a last song.